Let's just pray, folks, before we start. Father God, Lord, we thank you again for your wonderful presence in our midst. Lord, that the King of all glory should choose to come and walk in this little place in Woodysburn. Lord, that you should choose to commune with us today is indeed a real privilege and a wonder. We pray now, Father, your anointing on the word as it goes forth. Lord, I don't want my thoughts here, but only yours. And, Father, that it would encourage the saints, Lord, and lift us and take us closer to you. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you, saints. It's nice to see everybody again. And I appreciate the opportunity to share the word with the folks that are here. I appreciate your prayers. Have been feeling pretty rough for a number of months, um, and I, I know people have been praying because I've kind of eventually said I'm not feeling well because men hide it, uh, and it has worked. I've had a good few days, so I really thank you for that. Uh, it's been necessary because we have acquired a dog, so I've had two sleepless nights one on the night before picking up the dog, and one with a whimpering dog last night, a puppy that is uh, still trying to figure out where it is and what it's doing and what it's supposed to be. So keep us in prayer. Thank you very much for that. Um, and I'm going to talk about prayer today. It's really been exercised in my heart for uh, quite a long time now. But just how much prayer for one another binds us together. You know, I firmly believe that when we pray for one another, we enter into each other's suffering. We take on board the struggles that other people have. We take ourselves away from our own struggles. And we, we put time and effort before the Lord to help others. And there's something happens in your heart when, that, when you do that, when you take that time. It gives you a closeness to the Lord, but also to that person that you're praying for. And we know the Bible says, share one another's burdens. And that's obviously in prayer. But you can share them physically too, but prayer is such an important thing. So today I'm going to talk about prayers that get things done. By bringing the power of God into the fight. Right? Now, I watch a lot of American evangelism, and I think that sounds a wee bit American, right? So I'm sorry if it does, right? It's one of these titles, but I did steal it from the Bible, and I will actually explain why and, and where I've chosen that. So it's prayers that get things done by bringing the power of God into the fight. Now, I'm not going to talk about the big flash prayers, the Moses, and you know, opening the sea and the bringing down the fire and all the big exciting things. I want to just talk about prayer that underpins our Christian walk and underpins the fellowship because prayer is all about fellowship not only with God as I've said but also with one another it's an opportunity when we get in that private secret place because God tells us to go to a secret place before him and join with others in prayer and as I said share their burdens so I want to talk about prayer that's important just now because we're, we're waiting for God we want the church to grow not only physically in numbers you know we could have a million people here it wouldn't matter we need to grow as Christians that's what God wants in our lives he wants us to grow closer to him he wants to see people in but he wants to see people in so that they can grow closer to him so that they can get to know him so I want us to turn to James it's a, a very well known scripture James 5.16 we've all heard this one over and over again so it's not going to be a surprise but if you just turn there and we'll read that just now 
and then we'll take it from there uh, and what I think I'll do is just read scriptures and you don't have to turn to them all because there are a reasonable number to get through and I will, I promise you, try and be on time within the allotted two to three hours Okay, so James 5.16 it says Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed And this is a bit I want to focus on. It says, The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Sorry, it's King James. That's what I'm used to reading. Okay? But that's what the Bible says. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I've heard that scripture, like it's all thousands of times. And I've always just accepted that you pray fervently. And you avail. But I was praying about it and thinking about things and I went away and had a further, a closer look at it in the Greek. So I always like to, if you see me preaching, I like to look at the Greek. And it changed the whole complexion of that scripture completely. So I want to talk a little bit about that just as an introduction. Okay, you're going to have to listen because there's steps I'm going to have to take to get us there. Um, And you might not have heard it before. So let's just see what the Greek says. So the word effective Right, the effective, fervent prayer. The word effectual and fervent. There's two words in the Bible, but there's only one word in Greek. Only one word. So that was my first wee surprise. I looked at the Greek, and it wasn't effective and fervent. It was just the word effective. And in the Greek, that word is energio, which means energize. Okay? And that word, where it says effectual and fervent, means working in a situation... Which brings it from one stage to the next. So working in a situation that brings it from one stage to the next. Okay. So the next bit where it says availeth much. Once again that was only one word. Okay. And that word in the Greek it says embodied strength that gets into the fray. Embodied strength that gets into the fray. So embodied strength just means the manifestation of strength that gets into the fight. Now as Christians we're in a fight. The Bible tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But powers and principalities and high places. So the Christian walk is a fight. We're told to be soldiers. And this prayer here, if you take it properly from the Greek and you just transpose it, it's actually... Prayer that works in the situation and brings things from one stage to another is the embodiment of strength that gets into the fray. And if you read it again, you can change it a little bit again. It says prayer that works in the situation. So we're talking about prayer that works, that's important, in the situation and brings things from one stage to another. So it changes, prayer that works and changes things is the embodiment of God's strength that gets into the battle okay so when we pray effective prayers we are as human beings manifesting expressing God's strength in the battle when we pray effective prayers prayers that work so when you pray and your prayers answered when you pray Effective prayers, you're actually manifesting the strength of God in the battle. So, in effect, you're standing in that battle as God, manifesting His strength. So, on your knees or in your little room or wherever it is you pray, I like to go out in my car and go into the countryside, 
you are manifesting God's strength in the battle. God is working through you to win the fight. Now that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. God's actually using you. But there is a but. Only when you pray effective prayers. So my next question obviously was, well how do I pray effective prayers Lord? What's an effective prayer? If an effective prayer is so powerful that I'm manifesting your strength, I'm going beyond myself. I'm bringing God straight into the battle. I'm doing something supernatural. I'm walking out of this little car, this little realm that I'm used to being in, in my knees, whether it's a room, wherever it is, and get into a spiritual realm and bringing your strength to bear. I want to know how to be effective. I want that effective prayer. I want to understand what that is. So how do we do that? Now I've been about been a Christian for 31 years now. So I've heard a lot of teachings in prayer. And as many people here have. And I've heard all different things. And the Bible says a lot of different things about prayer. You know, so we can look at some. Just agree. To pray effectively we have to, the Bible says, Again, I truly tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything... It shall be done by the Father in heaven. Surely that's effective. Just agree. I bet there's people here today that have agreed on things and they haven't helped. If I could just agree, I'd probably have a thing full of Ferraris and a big hit. Certain things the Bible says you have not because you ask amiss. Okay, so we can't just agree on anything. It's not as simple as that. We can't just agree that we want, you know, effectively I'm going to pray. We just have to agree and we'll get it. Some people like to lose blessings in other people. I've heard that said. Oh, if you're going to pray effectively, you, rather than asking God for things, you just need to release God's blessing. Okay, and they go to the scripture for that. It says, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That doesn't always work. It's maybe misused, I don't know. But Jesus certainly told a woman she was loosed from the enemy. So there's a place for it. He said, you be loosed from that sickness. And she was loosed. And I've also, something that I was taught in the last chapter I was in, was that you hold God to his word. You kind of hold his feet to the fire. God, your word says it. So, there's a contract. You better do that, God. You've said it. You don't have a way out. I had a chat with agreeing with this. With this. God's not a contract. God is not a contract. That's not how it works. That's not effective prayer. That's simplifying, oversimplifying the way that God works. In Romans 9.15, God says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and compassion on whom I have compassion so that it depends not on human will or exertion but on God who has mercy we can't hold God's feet to the fire we can't demand things from God it's about a relationship our father, it's not about demanding things and the classic for prayer that we've all heard say to this mountain it will be removed and it shall be removed, just have faith simple as that you just lack faith you haven't moved your mountain, it's your fault how many people have prayed and the mountains moved, hands up the Ochels, Kilpatricks, Campses, and even mountains, they're just hills. Glencoe, it doesn't work, does it? 
prayer's more complex than that. And obviously, what I've spoken, I wouldn't take it away from anyone. It's important, these things are important, but there is a key to effectively praying. There's a key to effectively praying. And it's really simple. God's in simplicity, hides himself in simplicity. God's a simple God. Jesus spoke in parables. And Jesus tells us, he tells his disciples how to pray effectively. And it's really simple, it's really, really straightforward. Matthew 6.10, he tells us how to pray. He asks how to pray, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Effective prayers praying in the will of God. I took a long time to get to that. <laughs> I told us maybe how not to do it, but it contrasts with that simplicity. If we pray in the will of God, we manifest His strength in the battle. If we pray in our will, we don't. We won't see a result. We won't see God's will being done. We won't see His kingdom coming. We want His kingdom to come here. We want an outpouring of the Holy Spirit here. You know, there's folk here in Noah crying out for revival. However that looks, God's got plans that we've not. We won't see any of it unless we pray particularly in His will. So, the next question. Step at a time. How do we pray in God's will? We pray a lot of things. I pray a lot of things. I don't always know if I'm praying for somebody or they need a job, Lord, get them a job now. I don't know if that's God's will. I'm kind of chucking it out there. It's a, it's a good desire. Somebody's sick, I want them healed. It's a good desire. But in essence, I don't know in these occasions often exactly what God's will is. Can we actually know what God's will is? No, well, I think we can. I think the Bible tells us very clearly how we can pray effectively. Those effective prayers that bring God actually into the battle. And I'm going to use somebody, I think he's a good example. I hope you agree. I'm going to use their prayers as an example. The Apostle Paul. Now, I've looked at the Apostle Paul's prayers for a long time. And it I've thought, my goodness, what powerful prayers. But I'll be really honest, I don't pray them enough. Partly because I can only remember some of them. <laughs> so I find myself leaning in the ones I get to. But when I think if there's somebody in the Word that not only prayed the right kind of prayers, but was so in touch with God that his actual prayers were an expression of God's will for the church at the time, for then and for now, so when Paul was praying, he wasn't praying his own will. When Paul was praying, as a prophet of God, as the man that wrote a lot of the word, he was praying directly in God's will. So if anybody should know what we need as Christians, and be able to pray for that, the Apostle Paul's the man. That's not to exclude James, <laughs> etc. I'm just going to focus on what Paul said. So I'm going to take us through some of the prayers of Paul, and just highlight how he prays and all I'm doing really I'm not saying this is the only way to pray I'm not exclusive we've all got a prayer life we all walk with God but what I'm saying is if Paul done it maybe it's something we should look a wee bit more closely at maybe it's something that we've not paid attention to enough I know I haven't 
maybe it's something that if we start to bring it in to our prayer life, how can it be wrong? Sorry Paul, you missed God's will. That's not right. Paul didn't miss the will of God in his prayers. So, I want us to, I did, I did say I wouldn't get you to turn to another scripture, but I'm going to back down on that. It'll be you turn, as you say, in politics. I want us to turn to uh, Ephesians 1 and 15 to 23, just as a starting point for Paul's prayers. Now, this, this is a very high level, just look at it. Uh, and I'm sure we could spend a lot more time, and what I hope you do is go and look at this in more depth and pray about it. But I think praying the prayers of Paul is a key, or one of the keys to effective prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So he's been remembering them in his prayers. And here's what he's doing. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe so the first thing that he actually prays for there he says, I keep asking, I keep asking. This is not something he's asked for once. It's not something that Paul thinks is just a chuck away. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, so that what you might know him better. And then he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power. Now the first thing to note there is that Paul's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right Now he's not praying that just because he wants people to know things. It's not head knowledge he's praying for. A spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's different from just learning something. That's a spiritual revelation. Okay? And he's not praying it, as I say, just so I know more about the Bible. He's praying it for a reason. Because he sees having that revelation as the way, he says it, so that you might know him better. How many times have we prayed for the fellowship that we have more revelation? Paul sees it as really important. Not only that you know him better with this revelation, that you might know the hope to which he's called you. Now we live in a very fleshy flesh. My flesh is very fleshy in many ways. And you forget about the hope. We forget about what we're really here for. We forget about where we're going. We're surrounded by life. We forget that our purpose is well beyond this. And here's Paul saying, you need revelation so that you remember that hope. Because he sees understanding that hope as a way that people will be changed. He sees that as if Christians can grasp that hope. 
It will revolutionise your Christian walk. It will change you for the better. He says he wants you to know the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Christ in us, the hope of glory. His inheritance. Jesus Christ died so that we could have that inheritance. If we understand and grasp these things, it takes us away from where we are just now and draws us closer to the Lord. These are deeply spiritual things that I don't think we even think about a lot of the time. Certainly not pray about. We're too busy praying for me, for instance, which is good, keep praying. About my soul tummy and whatever else, right? But there's a deeper spiritual need in the church and it's a need for this kind of revelation. It's a need to get closer to the Lord. It's a need to understand more about him, but not up here, in here. And if we pray these prayers for one another, that will happen. I'll tell you why it will happen, because it's what God wants. It's his perfect will. I can guarantee that these prayers are a mess. They were not praying for things that God doesn't want us to have. Like he says, if you pray for wisdom, I guarantee you'll get it. Pray for wisdom. If any man prays for wisdom, he'll get it. It's the same here. Paul prays a lot about these things. And I'd love to go into more understanding of what these things mean. Maybe we need somebody to teach me first. But Paul saw that understanding these things, if we understood the incomparably great power towards us, how God has got such great power for us in our lives, that that would change us. That that will build the church. Now Paul was an apostle, so Paul was all about building the church. That was his calling. Not just the numbers, but his desire when you see his letters, he just cried out for people to be closer to God. And these are the prayers that he prayed. We're at a place in this wee church that we want to be closer to God. And I'm just suggesting that these are some of the prayers maybe that we should be thinking about praying. So let's take it on a wee bit further than that. Okay, another scripture in Colossians. I'll just read this one. 1, 9-11. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Here he is again, not stopped praying for you. As soon as I heard there was Christians over here. Do you know what? I've not stopped praying for them. I think we'll just get away of stopping praying. I know I am. <laughs> Let's get that bit. Let's just get the keeping praying bit. But what does he pray? We've not stopped praying for you. Once again... Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There it is again. He's praying that people understand God's will. Lord, help Graham understand God's will for the church. Lord, help me understand my will for me, your will for me. Help everybody understand what your will is. Help us all to have a shared Understanding of what your will, Lord, is for this wee church. And he says, and we pray that you may live in order. And we pray this in order that. And I want you to see, because there is, it says, in order that. So he's asked for, fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There you go, revelation again. I'm going to use the word revelation instead of saying spiritual wisdom and understanding, because it is a revelation. And we pray it in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So for some reason, Paul, God knows that if we get revelation of his will, 
We'll walk a better walk. We'll live a better Christian life. We'll be so close to them that sinning and going off in the wrong direction and all the things that we so easily do without thinking won't harm. Jesus only done what he saw his father doing. He was so close that he walked a perfect walk. And here's Paul praying that we get the revelation that we need that we might live a life that's worthy. Who wants to live a life worthy? All of us. I hate the things that I do wrong. We all do. We want to live a worthy life. We want to get to the end feeling, Lord, I've lived a worthy life by your strength. And here's Paul praying for revelation so that we get that and that we might please him in every way. So once again, it's about revelation. And we look at Philippians 1.9. So I think I've got the wrong scripture. It's the same as that. But anyway, Philippians, it says, And my prayer, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So even our love can have more revelation. Oh, I don't, I really, if I'm honest, I don't get that. How can my love more, more, know more about the love of God? I hear the words, I understand them, but, you know. She's just up here just now. Even our love can have more revelation. We can understand more about the love of Christ. We can have a deeper experience of his love. And once again he says that. He's asking for this knowledge and this depth of insight. For a reason. He says so that you might be able to discern what is best. Discern what is best. And maybe pure and blameless until the day of Christ. There it is again. There's that same thing. He said live a life worthily. And there he's saying it again. Different words but the same thing. Live a pure and blameless life. When Christians live a pure and blameless life. God can do work. In this church when we get our lives right. We line up with the word. And God knows when I'm not there. But Paul's desire is that we live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ. And it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I'll be honest, I haven't really prayed that for anyone. <laughs> I've not ever prayed, oh help John and help him with a blameless life, Lord. You know, help him with revelation so he's, he's just on the track all the time. Help that, Graham, I haven't prayed that. Paul does. Maybe something we should be praying. And here we go again. Second Corinthians thirteen seventy nine. Paul just prays it straight out. He doesn't pray for revelation this time. He doesn't embellish it in any way. He just says, Now we pray, God, that you will not do anything wrong. Wow. That could be for a situation, right? Because a righteous man falls sometimes a day. So chances of never doing anything wrong. In my life, I know you can bet on it. Your bookies will give you a nice, you know, definitely won't happen. You'll get odds in that, even odds in that. If you bet on me doing something wrong, yeah, yeah, I won't be thinking that. But there's Paul praying that just for the saints, you will not do anything wrong. And he says also, but that you will do what is right. It's dead simple, isn't it? So God's mind is on us. Not necessarily for all the wee situations we face, but for a deeper understanding of him. His mind isn't just one thing, our character. How close we are to him. 
all the fuzz that's about, all the battles we're fighting, that's great, we can pray about that, as Graham's quite rightly said, in all things, with prayer and thanksgiving, with supplications, make your request be known before God. And why? It's not because he'll solve it all and fix it all, because it will give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. Character, peace, the ability to go through, to remain blameless, to stay on track, not to lose it in the battle, but to stay on track. Remember I'm talking about prayers that are effective. And if they're effective, they bring the power of God with them. All of these prayers come guaranteed with the power of God. It doesn't say there's a guarantee. I've not got it written in that type of wording. But if Paul prayed it, we know it's God's will for his church. And therefore we know if we pray it, when we pray it, we're actually manifesting God's power as we pray into people's lives. And here's Paul's, it's not a prayer, but I'd call it a blessing. There's quite a lot of stuff that Paul has just a blessing when he opens to the churches. In Romans 15, 5, 6, he says, May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Once again, Paul's desire, blameless and holy. And I'll say this, not that we prosper in wealth, you know, not that we have big houses and lots of money and that, you know, we, we can save up enough and buy a private jet. Blameless. Blamelessness. That's something we need in the church. That's something that Paul prays, prays for. And even Jesus, and I'm hammering this point. So I've got a few scriptures, we're nearly there. And the Lord, and this is in Luke 22, 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not. That's something we need to pray for one another. That our faith doesn't fail through the trials. That we don't lose faith. Charles Darwin lost his faith. He's the worst or best example of somebody that loses their faith. What a mess. <laughs> One man, his daughter died, which is tragic. Nobody wants that. He lost his faith. And he went on to corrupt the whole of mankind with the biggest, most false doctrine you could ever imagine. It's just undermined Christianity globally. We all go through trials, but if we pray for one another, that our faith won't fail, God will sustain us through those trials. The Lord's Prayer, it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep us from evil. Keep us from temptation. God wants us to walk a perfect walk. And we can pray that one for another. Can we imagine what the church would look like if these were the prayers we prayed? If the prayer meetings were peppered with these prayers? If our own prayers were sprinkled with them? That we were praying for people to have revelation that they'd get closer to God, that they'd understand his greatness of the power towards them, that we'd understand so much that we could walk a more perfect walk. So, what else does having the knowledge of his will through all spiritual understanding lead to? One more in Colossians here. Okay, and this just highlights how important it is. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual understanding. And we pray this in order that 
first, you may bear fruit in every good work. God's got us here to walk, to do good works that he's prepared for us beforehand. That's true, the Bible says that, yeah. But for some reason, Paul's actually praying that we fulfil that. So that means there's a chance that we won't. (laughs) That means there's a chance that we'll miss the mark. And we all do. But here's Paul encouraging people. He's praying himself that you may bear fruit in every good work. Grow in the knowledge of God. Transforms your life. And then it says, finally, be strengthened with all power. Well, according to his glorious might. So that you might have great endurance and patience. Saints, let's pray for one another. Let's pray these things that would be strengthened with all power. I want strengthened with all power. Imagine walking about in the power of God. Imagine having that power in the church as a group of people. That when folk come in, they sense the presence of God. That when we minister, that when we talk to folk, we're not doing it in ourselves, we're not doing it in our own mind. But we've got the power and the presence of God with us. And that will manifest gifts as well. You're not going to speak your own things. God's going to be talking to you. He's going to be using you as his hands, as his mouth, as his mind. But we need to get there. We need filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual understanding. And let's not be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have what endurance and patience. He just wants us to get through and endure and patiently wait in him. Love is patient. Patience is important. Ephesians, let's move on. Time, half an hour, okay, a wee bit more, let me see. Yeah, we'll get to the end, not too far, okay. It's Paul again, Ephesians three fourteen to 21. For this reason, for this reason, okay, this, so this is his focus, this is Paul, this is my reason I kneel before the Father. So when I get before God, this is the reason I do it. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and in earth derives its name. I pray, he's praying again, that out of his glorious riches, so God, Paul understands the abundance that God's got. He's not praying to a poor God. He's not praying to a God that's got nothing to give us. He's not praying to a God that wants to hold back. He's saying, Father, I know the glorious riches you've got. So out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with all power through the Spirit and the inner being. That's just what we said before, isn't it? Strengthen with all power. He's praying that again. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's making a link there between power and Christ dwelling in our hearts and I pray that you being rooted and established in love so he wants us to be rooted and established in love may have power again together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ I like that one most because when you know the love of God you can't hate anyone when you really know how much God loves you all the fear and anger and hurt and all the Biased and prejudiced and worry, everything dissolves in the love and the presence of God. There's nothing can stand against his love. Nothing at all in that power. So that for me, that's a personal one. How 
wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Remember we're talking about effectual prayers. These are effectual prayers. If we pray these for people, God will manifest his power in the fellowship and in people's lives. And it goes on, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants us to know God's love that surpasses knowledge. So we can't know it here. It's not going to be in our heads, it's going to be in our hearts. It's love that surpasses knowledge. Oh, God's really nice. <laughs> no, in here. Real revelation. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's remarkable. You could be filled with all the measure of all the fullness of God. The Bible says all the fullness dwelt in Christ. But we can be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what he's got for us. That's what he wants for us as a church. Not that we've got a nice building or lots of things going on. As Graham says, it's not about programs. It's about walking with him. So Paul, in conclusion, Paul prayed prayers in God's perfect will. And it was prayers that got things done by bringing the power of God into the fight. When Paul prayed, God manifested and his prayers were answered. And I think it's amazing that we can pray these prayers. We can pray for the same things that Paul prayed. And that when we pray these effectual prayers, we embody as we speak, we're actually manifesting the power of God. Now John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Logos. Logos means, in Greek, it means the embodiment of an idea. Look at it yourselves, the embodiment of an idea. So when we pray an effective prayer, we are speaking the embodied Word of God. We are embodying God's idea. That's how close God is to us. We're not speaking in our own will anymore. We're embodying God's idea. And that's powerful. Nothing can stand against that. So, in summary then, what if we all prayed prayers? What if we all pray these prayers for spirit of wisdom and enlightenment and revelation? And I'll summarise what Paul asks for. And we can go and look at it yourself. That the saints would know the Lord better. Know the hope to which he's called us. Know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable power for us who believe. Live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Be able to discern what's best. Discernment's really important. Anybody that's running a church, Graham, John, you've been a pastor in a church. Discerning the spirits in the church, understanding what's going on is super important. God's put you there as a shepherd, but we all need that discernment in life because some things look nice on the outside and <laughs> not so nice on the inside. We need it for our own lives as well because the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword and it cuts us under even the soul and spirit. So we need that discernment even for our own thoughts and intents. Live a life worthy of the Lord to be pleased in other way. Be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Be filled with the fruit of righteousness wow that comes I don't, you, you don't even think you can get that how can I be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God you will not do anything wrong like that you won't do anything wrong but that you'll do what's right that you'll be perfected so it's important that we pray that people in the church are perfected God's perfecting us all of us 
together, not only as individuals. The, the Protestant religion, and that was the wrong way to put it, but maybe Christianity from the, you know, from the time of the Reformation has been very individualistic. It's all about me and God. And I'm into that, you know, I think that is, I've got a lot with God, but we sometimes forget there's a corporate we that when we pray together, that corporate we, we lift ourselves up. We join together, we, and I think we need that more and more. Be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that we might have great endurance and patience. He who lasts to the end, if you run the whole race, you get the reward. We need endurance and patience. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we be rooted and established in love. The church needs established in love, that we might have power together, as I've said with all the saints, and that we might know the love that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all measure of all the fullness of God. How much would the church change when we pray that? Maybe we are. Maybe I'm the only one that's not. <laughs> I don't know. But I think there's power in these words. I think the effective prayers of Paul are the effective prayers that we should be praying. And I, I just encourage everyone to go away and study this. Just go and look. There's not that many prayers of Paul. When you look through it, there's not that many. There's some blessings, as I've said, but there's actual prayers where he says, for this reason I pray. Wouldn't it take you too long to look at it? Pray about it. Take it on board and start to ask the Lord to reveal why these prayers matter to him. And I think it will have a change. It will lift the church. I think it will change your own lives and change the church. So if you don't mind, I'll just close in prayer. God bless you. Father God, we just thank you for your word, Lord, that you lay things out in a way that we can understand, that you speak to us, Lord, clearly, that you've laid out a pattern that is your perfect will, that you make it clear through the words of Paul, the way that you would like us to pray, Lord, the, the way that these prayers can be effective. Father, I pray now that you touch every heart, that the word that's gone forth would strike them, Lord, that would encourage them, it would lift them. And Lord, that this we fellowship would use your word to get closer to you, Lord. That would join in with Paul and his deep desires for the church at the time. That they might walk perfectly with you. Lord, help us with these things, Father. We struggle so much just to keep going sometimes. And Lord, these things are so deep. We just pray for your revelation and wisdom and knowledge, Lord, and understanding. That we might grasp these deep truths in Jesus' name. We ask. Amen.